A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of What Most People Think. How are you, people? We've got, of course, a new, another binary distinction in British society and culture uh, that you either fall one side or the other of. Are you pro wearing face masks in shops and therefore, obviously, a good person, you know, a virtuous person? Or are you anti and therefore... Uh, a bit like Thanos, i.e. you essentially want to click your fingers and, and kill half of all mankind. It's amazing, isn't it? This culture war, the things that get dragged into it, who'd have thought that face masks would be one of them? But um, listen, I hope you were. I hope you've had a good week. Uh, welcome to all the people that uh, joined us for the Jonathan Pye episode with Tom Walker there. Uh, I've got a lot of new subscribers, so thanks for that. You know, it's going to be me this week. So what I do is I, uh, I present it on my own most weeks, and then if I have a good guest come up like... Jonathan Pye, then I'll go for it. So um, hopefully, I'm, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna censor myself. Do you know what I mean? And on on, on that count, we have a thing that we do on this show called a, a cuss count, which is uh, one of my patreons. Uh, which is if you want to support the podcast and keep it weekly and ad free, then uh, go to what most people think on Patreon and just give me money. I mean, that's where we're at in the the arts, <laughs> so to speak. Now we're uh, we're just saying, can I have some money? Can I have some money? Is there something weird happening at the moment, like uh, economically, where we just tap up the Chancellor for money? Does anybody else find that a bit weird? We're just, I've never known that in my lifetime where you can just go, hey, at Rishi Sunak, I am a freelance, shareholding, dividend paying uh, owner of a ballet company and I'm not getting any money from the government and I've slipped through. Can you please fund my my life please i've got a i've got a sony curve tv i've got a holiday booked what are you saying rishi do you think at some point rishi will eventually become like you know that mate that's got money that he'll eventually go you you know what you lot you lot are ponces mate you lot are ponces yeah it's all about oh rishi could you could you throw us some wedge yeah all the, all the stand-up com- comedians they want a bit of money yeah oh what after all the love they've shown us fuck you lot mate <laughs> Anyway, so there was a swear word. We have the, we have the cuss count that we do um, for last week's episode. So from me, there were two bastards. Um, sorry, two bastard. I shouldn't pluralise there. Four fucks, one fuck, 19 fuckings. Again, that is staying within the 17 to 20 range that it's been at for several weeks there. And two shits. So I think overall, that is a, a reduction in swear words, which suggests that I was... Uh, on my best behaviour with a guest. Now, um, Tom Walker, Jonathan Pye, he managed only one fuck, seven fuckings, one piss, two shits and a twat. And even knowing the way that he says twat makes me smile there because he, he swears with great, with great aplomb. Some people are just great swearers, aren't they? I don't know what, there's certain cities. Oh, let's do top three, right? Top three swearing cities. I'm going to go Glasgow. Uh, Glasgow, anyone in Glasgow right now would be like, because there's several ways of saying Glasgow, aren't there? Is this like, if you're me, you go Glasgow. Uh, if you're sort of from the area, you go Glasgow. And if you are proper from around the area, you go Glasgow. Glasgow. Because you've got to show other people just how fucking Glasgow you are. Right? Um, 
Uh, so Glasgow would be one. I think London's good. I think we're good at swearing. You know, fuck you, cunt muppet. Um, <laughs> cunt muppet. That's a <laughs> that's a new character, isn't it? Uh, if they bring back the franchise, welcome our new muppet. It's uh, it's cunt muppet. He just he's out of order, and they uh, well he touches people because <laughs> he's been touched himself. You know that's what happens, isn't it? You keep sticking your hand up a a muppet's ass. Eventually they're going to abuse someone else. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I'd say Belfast I'd arguably go Belfast 1 you know yeah fuck fuck you hey man you're a fucking wee shite um, so there's certain swear words I'm jealous of uh, shite is one uh, doesn't sound as good you can't really say that in a southern English accent and uh, pish you know Scottish have pish uh, for something it really, it's a really apt way of describing something that is truly abject um, coming up this week we're going to be talking about what subjects we talk about compulsory face masks uh, we're going to be looking at um, the 12-year-old that got taken into custody for racist abuse online. And then we're going to go, I've got this theory that future generations are going to look back on our generation and how we've handled COVID and just think that we're all massive fannies. <laughs> uh, and then there'll be a hype coming up. So I've got news coming up. Uh, I am going to be doing an online tour. The, uh, what a wanker. So I, I should have had the dates to hand. Um, it's going to be the sixth, Thursday 6th, 7th and 8th of August online. This is a Zoom tour. This is written all for online. And I'll be telling you more about that uh, halfway through the show. And I'm also going to be guest hosting Times Radio. You know this new Times Radio station? Well, for some reason, they've got someone like me in. Giles Corran wanted a, a weekend off and they went well who's a like for like replacement there and I've gone yeah Jeff Norcott so how how I've ever blagged this gig I'll never know but please listen and you know if everyone's slagging me off online trying to talk me out of work just say I didn't think he was shit um a quick big up to the new patrons online we've got 10 pound VIP patrons these are the people that are, well, they're doing all right. They're doing all right. What are you? They've done all right in coronavirus. What are you, currency traders or something? Uh, David Allen, Francis. I think Francis has a surname. I just might not have got that down. Jonathan Whitehead, Courtney Wallace, and Neil Harvey. That sounded, they all sounded like cricketers to me, didn't they? That sounded like the lower middle order. David Allen, a sort of, a sort of left arm seamer, maybe like Sam Curran. Francis, uh, just Francis, maybe he's uh, from South Africa. You know, one of those sort of like uh, sort of French sounding South African surnames. Jonathan Whitehead, the off spinner. <laughs> uh, the off spinner there. Doesn't turn it much, but he's got a decent arm. Am I, I'm just losing fucking listeners, aren't I? Right now, I've gone straight in with the big cricket chat. Courtney Wallace. I mean, obviously, I'm going to think of it's not a racial thing. I'm just thinking of Courtney Walsh here, one of the greatest fast bowlers ever. And Neil Harvey. Genuinely quick, Neil. Genuinely quick, sprays it all around a bit, a bit, bit sort of all gas, no steering wheel. Um, so quickly, so yeah, thank you to people that attended the Patreon gig, which is why I brought this up. Uh, it was a lot of fun, and it's been I've been doing those to sort of feed into doing this this live tour thing. And uh, I did notice that doing it on a Friday, uh, people laughed a lot more and were a bit more drunk. And I'm going to look further into that connection and see if there's anything in that. Uh, and just a quick fuck you before we get into the subjects is the guy, uh, I went uh, I went and filmed a film, oh, oh, this actually, this is going to sound like boasting it, but I went and filmed a thing for Sky Arts, which was an interview with Irvin Welsh, right, about causing offence in art. And um, who would you think was interviewing who? Yeah, he was interviewing me. I just thought this was hilarious, you know what I mean? The guy that wrote Trainspotting. 
And he's going, and I'm sitting there going, oh, yeah, Irving, let me tell you a few things, brother, about offence in art and stuff. You know, I'll maybe give you one or two tips. Um, but I was, I was running late, and I just wanted something to eat. So, uh, you know, when you kind of think, right, I want to... I want just like a pastry. They didn't have a pastry. I was like, you got bacon roll, no bacon roll. He goes, I've got, I can do your sausage, sausage bap. I'm like, fair enough. He goes, but it'll have to be a panini. I was like, fuck's sake. Um, I don't know why that annoyed me so much. But, and then he's asking me whether I wanted, uh, what sauce I want. And I was like, well, you got ketchup? And he was like, I don't know. You got brown sauce? And he said, I don't know. He said, then he said, I think I've got tomato ketchup. I went, okay, tomato ketchup. We had, this discussion went on for ages. And then eventually brought it out to me with no sauce at all. Uh, and it just had tomatoes on it. Okay, so face masks have become compulsory. And, uh, you know, there were some people that welcomed this news, the usual suspects, you know, the ones that like having their life managed for them by government. And there were some of us who were... Well, a little bit cautious about it because I sort of think in a healthy democracy, anything that has the word compulsory in or mandatory is is worth a little bit of scrutiny, right? And and it comes after the end of another period with the government having. T- now I know that there has been contradictory advice, and the science on this still isn't clear. But it's yet another situation where the government have sort of quite close to changing their minds, indicated that they weren't going to change their minds at all, and then change their minds. So before we get on with anything else, I just want if there's anyone from the government listening, and they do listen, oh yeah, there is, you know, if we go back listening to anyone we're listening back in the early part of this, remember when Dominic Raab was nicking one of my lines from PNQs, you know, uh, which is very high praise uh, for me. <laughs> so it's a little three-step guide. Right, first up, what is our view on this measure, okay, to do with coronavirus and mitigation? What is our actual view, okay? Now, question two is, if enough pressure is put on us to change our minds, will we just change it anyway? Yeah. Then if so, move to question three, shall we just change it now and stop all the dicking about? Yeah, and stop posturing like we're going to dig in for a position. Because this is where the government have looked weak on so many occasions. Is that they've? It must be weird for ministers that are briefed to go out and, you know, kind of go out to bat for a subject. And then, and then they row back on their position. A lot. But look, you know, it's a measure coming in now. It's coming in in about a week's time. Will it help? It's not obvious, is it? I mean, it would seem logical that this this virus is airborne. It comes out of your face. You cover your face a bit. It would probably stop as much of it being airborne. Um, but equally, um, will, it, will it deter people? You know, the high street is dying. The economy is tanking. And, and it comes down to a personality type. What would make you feel more secure about being in a shop? Would it be... Um, would it be people wearing face masks? Okay, because like a whole lives, that has been quite a negative thing to see. It's either meant that someone's being operated on, do you know what I mean? There's there's blood, there's there's risk. Or, or, or would it be, you know, accepting a degree of risk to go shopping? And I, I don't know. I think that, you know, when you look online, you look with comedians for some reason, comedians are, it's one of those subjects. It's almost like being vegan. There's way more vegan comedians than there are normal people, right? And also with Brexit, almost all comedians voted Remain and stuff. And I think the face mask is another issue. Where I've struggled to find a comedian that even has the slightest suspicion of face masks. So I guess it's, you know, it's one of those positions that's favoured by the left, which is a secure moral stance, isn't it? Like, I am pro-wearing face masks, and they do that thing, you know where they touch their sort of, uh, the middle of their chest when they say it, which lets you know that they're about to say something meaningful and, and virtuous. I am pro-wearing face masks. It's it's just something small that we can do to stop people dying. And they, can they, they straw man the fuck out of it, and they simplify it down to that. 
And um, and then I saw a lot of uh, analogies being made, you know, about, um, you know, like we always, you know, the, the, the boomers and whatnot and the Brexiteers, they always talk about the Blitz generation. Do you think the Blitz generation moaned about the blackout? Do you? I think um, I think probably some of them did, just statistically. And also, I think that, um, I don't know if it's a secure analogy. I don't think um, comparing the peril of being bombed from the sky by the Nazis, uh, by the Luftwaffe, is necessarily comparable with an airborne disease, which is kind of asymptomatic for most people, right? And, I, I you know, I don't know if you could have your house bombed asymptomatically. Yeah, just... <laughs> Yeah, do you know? No, they they uh, they dropped a bomb and it just bounced off my house. You know what I mean? Like like I felt a little bit warm for a while. You know, my temperature was up, and it just you know what bugs me is why does it have to come down to this binary view? You know, this binary view that that if you will, well, if you don't want to wear a face mask, you what you're just happy for people to die. You mean, all right, you took it all the way there to the die thing, and you think, look, the, let's just clarify the average age of death for this thing is eighty four. And even then, they began, oh, what, so it's just okay for 84-year-olds to die? I'm like, no, we don't, meh, I don't, look, hey, they've had a good innings. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. They've been about a little bit. You know, you know. I, look, I've, I've expressed my views on old people before. I personally cannot see any point in living a day over 80, and even 80 is the top whack. I'd like to go at 70 when there's still a bit of tragedy about it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm still vigorous enough that people are like, oh, it's such a shame, where, where it was, instead of everybody being at a funeral, sort of pretending they're gutted, but thinking, thank fuck, that is over. And yeah, I just, I, mean, I guess I, like with this measure, I can kind of live with this measure. I mean, I've got questions about it. I've got questions about it, like how do you get out of it? It was like lockdown itself. It's very easy to just start something, isn't it? But but then it will make people feel secure. And one thing that we've learned about lockdown, it was like stay at home, protect the NHS, save lives, be amazing by doing fuck all. When, when it came to the point where people had to stop doing that, it made people very uneasy because once you said stay at home equals saves lives, right? The implication was leave the house, kill people, right? So, you know, wear a mask, stop spread of disease, don't wear masks, spread disease, right? And I think that people will uh, will struggle with whenever, where and whenever we repeal this. I don't know, there could be upsides to it, I guess. Like if it means that we can get people back in football stadiums, yeah, we'll be indeed people back in live comedy. Although that would look a bit weird, standing there on the stage, just staring out and like... I would find that so weird. It would look like there was a like a you know a few hundred people that were gonna medically experiment on me the moment the gig was on, and like me doing the gig was some kind of, some kind of like uh, like pre op thing of just just testing where his mental health's at. Right? Yes, we can uh, we can experiment on the subjects. And yeah, I'm gonna own that that when you do evil science, it has to be a Nazi. Sorry, sorry, it has to be, and that's not even a German accent. I just did that. It's a Nazi accent. And look, you might think that that is sort of xenophobic, but I tell you something. You watch Star Wars, all the baddies, English, yes, kill him. You know, how many baddies have been English over the years in films? We've done some good stuff too, but it seems in Hollywood we're just pricks the whole time. And, you know, speaking of films and speaking of Star Wars, there's that great line from Natalie Portman in Revenge of the Sith that makes me think about the reception of this news of uh, face masks becoming compulsory in shops where she says, so this is how liberty dies, with thunderous applause. It's a great line. I'm not sure she really carries it. <laughs> not sure she really carries that line. Um, yeah, and it just makes me it makes me uneasy. And you get some debate around it, like I saw on like GMB, you know, because they're obviously a great 
vestige of uh, reason debate at the moment is that you know and it, they were saying if you if you see people not wearing masks should you challenge them yeah yeah that's fine a national broadcaster just sort of loosely floating the idea that we should be encouraging vigilantism and it's just it's, people just don't understand other people's mindsets some people say but jeff why is it such a, a it's such a small thing to do why is it a big deal to you and i think why is such a big deal like state intervention such a small thing to you you know it I kind of no, maybe we're just not going to understand each other. But I do find that um, I do find that increasingly, I'm uh, you know I'm on certain sides of the argument where I'm always I'm always the baddie. You know, if I vote Tory, I'm, I'm selfish, right? If I vote Brexit, I'm racist. Now, if I have uh, any kind of reservations about wearing a mask in a shop, I'm sort of pandemic genocidal. And I thought, you know, it's it, I've thought this for so many years. I think maybe it's time to give in and go. Yeah, maybe I am. Just, uh, just a hateful prick. Okay, just to butt in here with the hype. So, yes, my show, my online show. Why am I talking like this? My show, I sounded like Johnny Vaughan. Um, my show, uh, Jeff Norcott's Fringe in Your Lounge. No, what? I, I don't even know the fucking name of it. This is a great way of showing, suggesting that it hasn't just been thrown together. No, look, I've worked on this show. Uh, it's Jeff Norcott's Front Room Fringe, and I've been trying to do new material gigs with the Patreon community, and I'll be doing some gigs. I've been doing some gigs outside of that as well, and I've got together. I think a really funny hour of stand-up because there's so much that has happened. So we've been talking about cancel culture we'll be talking about statues we'll be talking about all the shit that's happened in pandemic we'll be talking about you know the difference between men and women which has somehow become contentious again how the hell did that become uh contentious so that will be this podcast will have gone up thursday morning so general sale and there might still be some early bird tickets because the early birds of first dibs have gone to patreon and the mailing list which you can still sign up for um they'll be on sale from midday and i think it's uh the early bird tickets are a fiver uh and then the vip front row access which is a lot of fun which people are where i can see you and, and hear you and you can speak to me uh, when spoken to, obviously, uh, they will be six quid in the early bird. So there's an early release of those. And then the general sale will be seven quid main entry and then eight quid VIP. And I'm going to try and do a few things technically to make it seem more like a stand-up experience. You know, I'm going to get a little backdrop going. You know, we well, it's a backdrop. I'm going to get a backdrop going is the main thing. I might I might even I might even have a little, uh, get some, some crowd hubbub noise. You know that, that noise when everyone's taking their seats for a show? I might do that. I just could feel people being underwhelmed there. Oh yeah, that's great, Jeff. Yeah, that really, yeah, that annoying noise of people chatting. Yeah, that that's really going to transport me to the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, and then, as I say, I'll be doing Times Radio um, on Friday, which is what the seventeenth of July, sitting in for Giles Corrin. So if you could listen to that and give them some feedback, you know, saying that it wasn't totally shit. That would help. And uh, just quickly, um, while I'm hyping, we got to say hello to some three. Free middle tier, the five pound patrons, George Hone, Richard Dutton, and Andrew Burgess. I often like to, you know, group them in as a, as a kind of sort of band, and I would say that's that's a classic indie band. That is a late nineties po- Brit poppy type thing. I think this is almost like a post post Verve style, uh, the Verve style lineup: Hone, Dutton, and Burgess. Just a three piece. Banging out, you know, maybe like a little precursor to emo, just singing their songs about, I'm so afraid, I'm so scared, because I'm middle class and I don't know risk.
Okay, now we're on a story about the 12-year-old boy being arrested, right? So what happened was the footballer, Wilfred Sahar, uh, he got up one morning. There was some horrible, horrible racist abuse, right? And uh, Wilfred Sahar shared it. Now, first up on this bit, before anyone tries to pin me for anything, this isn't on Wilfred Sahar what happened next. He's absolutely... I mean, what a disgusting thing to wake up to. And if you look at the racism itself, it's, it's, it's brutal, right? So he shared it. He doesn't know that the kid's 12, right? He doesn't know. It's one of the things about Instagram. Should kids should kids even have Instagram accounts at 12? I don't know, right? So this isn't on him. But then what happened after that was the uh, Solihull Police or West Midlands Police swooped in, like the old Bill do now. Anything that happens online, woo, woo. <laughs> they're there in a hobby, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? They're like, they're like superheroes, like you're know, Superman just rocking up just in a heartbeat. They're there. Someone said something out of order online. Down, down, down. The online fucking Sweeney get mobilised, don't they? And um, they were there and they, they took this 12-year-old boy into custody. And he's a boy, right? He's not even a teenager yet. I just sort of started thinking, was this a proportionate reaction here? Is this a sensible reaction? I mean, what the kid said was disgusting, right? It was proper, proper heinous racism. But this is what always what happens with racism. It's what we get in this kind of Olympics to who can say the most, you know, who can be the most appalled about it, right? This is what happens is you get people in authorities, police... Within football, saying it's disgusting. We have a zero tolerance. I was appalled. Right? Obviously, if you're if you're a decent person, you cannot see that and not be appalled. Right? So all we're really doing is showcasing our virtue. That's all I'm doing right now. So why don't we actually move on to the subject right now? Is just say the, the the amount of people online, and I always think that Twitter, you know, is not necessarily a gauge of anything. But it was interesting to see the amount of people that thought that the book should be thrown at this kid. You know what I mean? Like. Put him in jail. That'll teach him. You know, this is the left wing. That, that sounded like very much like an old right wing thing. You know, flog him and burn him and well, then burn him. Maybe I've gone too far. What is it? Uh, flog him. I don't know. Kill him. Whatever. But it's coming from the left. It's the people are saying that the twelve year olds should be almost you know dealt with as adults. And I thought you know twelve year olds if, if they can be tried or dealt with as an adult by the police, why can't they? Why can't they smoke? Right? Then if they're being legally dealt with, why can't they smoke? Why can't twelve year olds? Just rock up and just buy 20 B&H, right? Why can't 12-year-olds drive then if they're being legally tried as adults? Why can't 12-year-olds vote? And there probably are some lefties right now going, actually, I'm really pro that. Fuck you. 12-year-olds should be out of vote. You shouldn't be out of vote until you've got a mortgage. But that's, a, that's another... You've got to have skin in... <laughs> you got to have fiscal skin in the game from my point of view. And I just... Uh, you know, I, the thing about this is, are there, is there consistency? In, in the rules here like so obviously racism at the moment is uh, is a real focal point for everybody and they've gone in very hard on this kid fair enough would they go in as hard for other kinds of abuse you know like uh, f- fat shaming uh, that's probably not the best example uh, but other kinds of abuse like a 12 year old being a bit stalky do you know what I mean like or a 12 year old being a bit sexually aggressive online would they take the kid into custody I don't know I don't know it does seem that with a because of the, the political, small p political environment we find ourselves in, you know, there was that bloke that took a piss over the monument during the statue protesters, protectors mask. I don't even know that one has a name yet. Uh, he, he got the book thrown at him. And then, of course, there was that fuck with the flow, the All Lives Matter banner over. Now, obviously, you know, I wasn't supportive of his action, but I think the guy lost his job and then his girlfriend lost her, lost her job. And the, that's what I suppose people are are looking for here is just some kind of consistency in reaction and the other thing that i'm wondering is is uh what dumb shit would you have done online at 12 years old 
you know. I Now, I wouldn't have done what this kid done. You know, thankfully, good news, I wasn't a racist. I wasn't a fucking idiot. But but I was also tw- a 12-year-old boy. If, you, if social media had existed, you know, if like... Uh, if I'd have been able to contact Pamela Anderson at the age of 12, I don't know what I'd have said. I don't know what I'd, I'd like to think that I wouldn't have sent a dick pic, but I don't know. Well, and then people start going like, this This guy's a sexual offender, like take him into custody. Yeah, I'm going to sound really popular here. What, what happened a good old clip clip around here from the, <laughs> from the local Bobby, you know, and uh, Stern talking to from, from the parents. I think that the police should have gone in hard on this, but did they have to... Um, did they have to take the kid into custody? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's making an example of the easy thing, isn't it? You know, like you've got this resurgence of far-right activity in adults and stuff, and, the, you know, they're finding that difficult to police. But then you've got this 12-year-old. It's easier to just get him in custody. They're, they're, they're the police in this instance, I feel a little bit like the uh, teachers that only deal harshly with the good kids. I used to do that. <laughs> I used to do when I was a teacher. You know, like the genuinely scary kids, you just pretend that you didn't hear what they just called you. And then the good kid steps out of line once. You're like, all right, you little shit. Come here. Right, I'm not, I'm not tolerating this. I'm not tolerating this for any of you. So like I say, I, just, I, I think that there is a, a danger that when people feel strongly enough about a subject, they can kind of lob some fairly long-standing principles, guiding principles at heart. And one of them is the biggest thing in law is the age of like responsibility. What age are you when you do things? How legally responsible are you? And honestly, man, if you're sitting there thinking like a, a 12-year-old should be put in jail for some posts on social media, then um, I think that I think that you're you're kind of a populist. Most people think. Right, final big subject this week. Speaking of the young'uns, right? I was thinking about how future generations will see view what's happening at the moment, and it just occurred to me that young people in the future might think that, you know, the way that we've handled COVID and our reaction to it, that we are essentially massive fannies, right? <laughs> to put it in a technical term. And then, bear me out, right? Bear me out. So we've had three weeks where the excess deaths have been below the five-year average, right? Now, that could change, um, obviously, with a winter, if there's a second spike. And even if, even if it carried on for a while, I don't think it's going to wipe out the excess deaths from this year. However, it could be it could end up being a number that's not wildly out of line with the last five to ten years, right? If you look at the uh, excess deaths during twenty seventeen to eighteen, that was uh, what fifty thousand through flu. For some reason, no one gave a fuck. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why. Because maybe because you know it didn't start in China, um, and we. Um, I think that there is, uh, I think there's obviously a presumption that young people are now in this perennial tailspin of, of risk aversion, that they're always going to become more sensitive and more mollycuddled. However, what we now have is we have a generation of children who, for the first time, have had to live through something genuinely stressful and traumatic, right? You know, they've had the old uh, temperature forehead checks, right? When they go to school, they uh, can't hug grandma. Connor, grandma might have been a result for some of them, you know, grandmas. They're lovely, but some of them, well, they smell a bit weird. <laughs> uh, they, you know, they've been watching Piers Morgan freaking out on the breakfast telly, you know, just sitting there while their mum's getting ready and uh, just eating their you know, multi-grain shapes, just watching Piers Morgan, just, you know, flailing around behind his desk. So what does it do? Now, does that make them more or less resilient? You could say, well, it'll, you know, give them these these kind of like issues for life, uh, and it'll give them these fears around germs. On the other hand, right, the wartime generation, 
they went through some shit, and they would. I would say that they came out of it, broadly speaking, as more resilient and more durable. Yeah, I say that. You know what I mean? A lot of them, you know, smoked eighty a day and had drink problems as well. So you, you know, I suppose you've got to throw in that <laughs> that caveat. But I guess what I'm saying is that at some point, you know, once they're adults, they're going to ask what the fuck went on here. They're going to ask a lot of questions. They're going to ask about did we really need to lock down? Uh, as strictly as we did, do we need to crash the economy and, and burden future generations with debt? I mean, the furlough, right? I mean, my God, when they're paying 50% income tax, right, they're going to look at that furlough in the same way, well, even more so than we look at maintenance grants. You know how millennials and uh, Generation X, uh, Z rather, they they look at, like, what, are you, what, you got paid to go to university? They're going to look at, like, hang about. What you? Eight point four million adults were getting their salary paid. They're just what, sitting at home. So what? What do they? I, I guess they did something. Maybe they did something. Give back to the state there. You know, and maybe they fixed some churches or some village halls or used that time to. No, no. Okay, so it's mainly watching Disney Plus, was it? Um, and arguing about statues. All right, fair. That's time well spent. And you know, blokes seeing what they would look like as a woman on a gender swap app, and then saying I would. Okay, well, great. That's great. And it's great that, you know, you got the pubs fully open before we went back to school. I think that they're going to be... I think they're going to have a lot of questions about how we acted during this time. And we don't know at the moment, right? We think that it's airborne transmitted. It might come out that, it's you know, that wasn't the main method of transition. I don't, I don't know. There's, there's going to be a lot that emerges about this in time. And they're going to be operating with the benefit of hindsight, you know. And they're going to be angry and maybe a bit simplistic about what went on during this period you know the same way that we look at boomers that did well out of the housing market and we we we, don't, we never think about the the financial risk that they took to get on that housing ladder we never think about the fact that interest rates used to be a lot higher so their monthly payments weren't fuck all and also that food used to cost a lot back then we're just like nah man with a housing market you basically you bought a scratch card and you won every single time. You know, we have, we've sort of uh, calibrated it back to suit our own narrative. But they're going to ask questions. They're going to ask questions about people going to Spain, right? They go, hang on, so hang on. So you're supposed to wear, it was airborne, right? That's what you thought at the time. Uh, but you went to Spain. Uh, you're like, yeah, we did go to Spain. We did go to Spain. Okay, but we, we wore masks in the cabin. I'm like, okay, but in, in a plane, isn't the cabin air all recycled continually? And like, yeah, they, they did, that's true. But, um, well, we just really wanted to go to Spain, basically. <laughs> Meanwhile, some of us realised that we'd always wanted to be locked down forever and actually were angry when civil liberties were returned to us and were grateful when we were told things that we we couldn't do. Well, you can understand, what I'm basically saying, son, you know, I know you're four now, one day maybe you'll listen to this, is that, um, look, I, I kept working, son. If you want to be angry... But just just look at look at the fucking furloughs. <laughs> Let's demonise. This would be a good right wing narrative now. Let's demonise the furloughs. Um, but look, I'm just I'm just saying it's an, it's an interesting idea to contemplate. Is that one day, just like the boomers were accountable for their thing, maybe Generation X, those of us around about forty odd, we're gonna have to account for this time. And uh, we better we better get our story straight. We've got a couple of letters here now. If you want to, if I've said anything that's wound you up or you think needs correcting, I, I could always do the fact checking. Fact check the shit out of me. I'm, uh, I just, you know, if I feel it, I say it. Um, 
is that uh, write in at what, what most people think uk at gmail.com. And I don't care, man. You give me grief, agree with me, whatever. Uh, I do enjoy relating to people. Now, just going back a couple of episodes here, uh, we had uh, Dan, who runs a company called Chash T, C H A S H, right? And he was horrified to hear that I was drinking Yorkshire tea. And thinking that Yorkshire tea was a good tea. No, no, he's horrified to hear that I thought Starbucks was a good tea bag. And I, I would say, Dan, I still do think that, Dan. However, Dan was good enough to, to issue a taste challenge, right? Which is uh, that he sent me some of his tea bags. And I'm gonna have a I'm gonna have a sip now. This is the, the breakfast cupper, okay? That was a cliche. that was just cliche drinking. I needed you to know that I drunk. So those of you into that ASMR shit. That's a good cup of tea, Dan. That is a good cup of tea. I'm going to have another little sip of that. Hang on. Um, I'm not getting paid for this, by the way, you pricks. I just got some free tea. That's a good cup of tea. Now, I would say that that is, you know, just to give the consumer a... Um, <laughs> if it's one of the first time you're listening to this podcast, you think, hey, where's this gone? He's talking about social political issues, and now he's doing a tea test. Look, we don't do this all the time. I am willing, though, just to get free stuff if people want to send me other things to try, other tea, you know, it's a competitive market out there. Um, but that's a good tea, then chash tea. It feels. Do you know what it is like? It's not like a, as overwhelming in terms of taste as Yorkshire tea or something like that. Uh, but it's clean. Do you know what I mean? If if that was if that was gear, you know, if that was grammar, because that hasn't been cut with anything. You know, it's probably like what tea should be like. If you know what I mean, Yorkshire tea. They've just gone in there. They're like, Let's whack them over fucking head with it. Yeah. Let's whack them like you get the strongest fucking tea we can. Whereas chash tea. It's like, look, man, you're going to be one of drinking this shit all day. Okay, got another letter here. This is from Richard in Sheffield, so we'll stick with uh, Yorkshire accent. Uh, great to see uh, these driving gigs taking place. But any chance of them coming up north, out of the t- southern bubble... Uh, I'm deliberately sounding as fucking idiotic as I can, to be annoying. Uh, believe it or not, we have built car parks up here. That's a, br- <laughs> That's a brilliantly Yorkshire bit of humour, bit of sarcasm at the end from Richard. Yeah, I didn't know that, mate. I didn't know that there weren't car park gigs up north. That is a disgrace. It's a disgrace. It is, it is embarrassing, you know, with my industry. We always claim to be so inclusive, but <laughs> don't give a fuck about the north. Don't give a fuck. Apologies for that. I'll, I'll come up. I'll do a gig... In a car park, but I'll, I'll pick the wrong car park. I'll do like an NCP, and then in the end, not everyone refused to pay a ticket because basically it'd be there an hour. They had to fucking remortgage. What most people think. Okay, next layer is from. Um, so this is from. I'm going to read this whole letter here because I think this is important. So a couple of weeks ago, I was talking about. Uh, predatory men within comedy there was a debate about that and I was asking for you know what is the lie of the land with young people now in and around the idea of consent so I'm going to read this whole thing because this is very interesting this is from uh, Ashley it says uh, alright Jeff um, just listen to your bit in the podcast about the issues of consent and predatory men much like you I never had the discussion about consent I was just brought up with a, ver- a very treat others with respect mindset I've only just turned 18 and the consensus with men of my age tends to be quite similar it's just common sense not to s- touch someone appropriately in any context yeah absolutely uh, a lot of women my age though and seemingly most women in general seem to think that the vast majority of men are leery evil perverts and a large percentage of them seem to have had bad experiences. So it's quite obvious that there are at least a few men letting the side down. And it's quite obvious who they are. I mean, just breaking in here, this is one of the problems, right? So this is when kind of like Me Too happened, is that they are 
almost every woman will have had experiences of sexual harassment and stuff like that. And that gives the impression that it's a lot of men doing it. But the truth is, these wrong-uns, they, if they're wrong-uns on that level, they're not just going to do it once, are they? They are going around... And I guess if that happens to you, if you feel sexually put upon in that way, you're going to remember... Like any bad experience, do you know what I mean? Like if you fell off a fucking bridge, you're going to... You're going to have a thing about bridges, right? So I, I do get that from women's point of view, but I do see how dangerous... It must be... Jesus, man. I would not want to be 18 and male right now. I'm sorry. You know, I don't care what the fuck people think about male privilege. I, w- I would... It is. That is a confusing... A confusing lie of the land. I, I, yeah, I, I appreciate this insight, though, actually. So I'll carry on uh, reading. Um, so he says, regarding these kind of leery men, it's quite obvious who they are. You can kind of tell they've most likely never had any level of parental guidance on any subject matter. Do you think neglectful or poor parenting is in some way to blame for men who don't have respect for women's boundaries? Yeah, I mean, as I was saying, actually, I think that um, I think that it comes down to... My view is it comes down to where's your dial in you? Like, what are you a good human? Are you a bad human? You know, Do you want to make people uncomfortable? That is the main first thing you can do. And then after that, I suppose you can have a specific discussion uh, around consent. But like I say, you know, my mum, uh, she, she never said anything specific to me, and yet... Yeah, I, I knew, but maybe that is just, you know, that is an exception. And at some point, you've got to have, like, I mean, it's not really a great chat with your son, but, like, um, yeah, I do, I get, let's go, all right, let's get down to brass tacks in, in terms of details. What I don't know is, like, so quite often when I've had sex, it's been, you know, and part of the appeal of it is, like, this understood thing. It moves to a next point, and that's kind of what's exciting about it, right? I, I, um, I don't know when you just stop and go, um, we, you know, are we gonna do this? We're gonna do the sex, and, I, and look. And if you think I'm being like um, bloody minded for the sake of it, I I am a bit. But I, that's what I don't understand. Is kind of like, is there something sexy about things progressing? Do you get my drift by by this? So I mean, I suppose using a condom is is useful in that respect, isn't it? Because it's like a prop to that. Yeah, that's what I. I've, I this is this is where a dialogue could be constructive, right? Is that. You just go, um, should I get my condom? <laughs> that, I mean, that, that never sounds sexy anyway. You're never going to get around that. At that point, you're going to know, right? And she says, uh, no. You're going to go, well, then we're not, we're not having sex here. And also, lads, you know, you need to be, when you're young, you need to be wearing the condoms anyway because, uh, you know, I ain't saying she a gold digger. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going this to. What I'm basically saying is, as a young man, you need to protect yourself because, you know, the one thing Kanye said was true is uh, she got you for 18 years. Okay, so here is where you can kill two birds, lads, with one stone. On the one hand, right, you've got a visual prop that doesn't mean you have to ask in a weird way, are we going to have sex now? You just kind of like, yeah, so I get this thing? Yeah, should we? Okay, no. And if she says, like, no, I want to, I want to, I want to, <laughs> I want to bear back, you go, okay, okay, like somebody, then a woman has to have a very strong argument as to why that's okay. And now, now the shoe's on the other foot. Okay, this is what's exciting about the change in gender politics. Now she needs your consent, Ashley. Okay, no, I don't, I don't necessarily want to take that risk with you. I want proof. Go get her to go to the medicine cabinet. Yeah, I want to. I want to see. I want to see you take a pill in front of me. Look, this has really lost its way, but I think that the key learnings from this condom can be an effective prop for consent, and also you do not want to be a dad at eighteen. All right, we've got one more letter here. Morning, Captain. 
Uh, I've been pondering the whole Patreon thing. Initially, it was the issue of accidentally going overdrawn and knocking you as I'm unwaged. But my main concern is it will change our whole relationship where you would have been the alpha dog and all of a sudden it will be like I'm the sugar daddy. <laughs> Either leaving a few quid on your bedside unit or trying to tuck it down your buttoned up polo shirt telling you to get yourself something nice. Uh, this is from Dodgy Dave. So uh, interesting there. Obviously, I want as many Patreons as possible. And as pe you know, people that are Patreons will, will attest, the more that I get, the more that I'm doing from it because it just means that... You know, it's all outside the mainstream, guys. You know, I'm off the grid uh, in a certain respect. Um, I, I, I hear you, you know, the sugar daddy thing. I never really thought of it like that. I'll, I'll be anyone's bitch. Do you know what I mean? I like money. I might even, I might even invent another tier, like uh, a, a penis, a penis uh, Patreon tier. You want to see the penis? 20 quid a month. You get a monthly shot. It'll be like you've adopted like a zebra or something. You can just see <laughs> how my cock's getting on. I have no idea where it's going, but I thought it was funny, Dodgy Dave. Uh, but I wouldn't let that. I'm, st I'm still the man, Dave. I'm always going to be the man. You know what I mean? And I, I, uh, I, but I do need the man. You, you know, you've hit on something quite possible there. So I'm going to try and um, keep my masculinity as I end this bit by doing a pull up on the bar. <laughs> That is the end of episode 46 of What Most People Think. Thank you to all the regular listeners. Thank you uh, to the people who joined us for Jonathan Pye and stuck with us for this. I will have other guests um, coming up. Okay, as usual, we're going to just end the show here by reading out. Anybody that leaves me a five-star review, guaranteed read out. And we had a few for the last week. So first up from Nessa Sands. Uh, is that Nessa as in like Barry Island Nessa? I spent a decent Saturday with cricket on the telly. Uh, and Jeff's back cataloguing in my ears. It's eased my first post-lockdown post pub hangover, no end. Yes, Jeff, I'm one of those women who drinks pints and smokes roll-ups. Well, you know, look, we all have our, <laughs> our crosses to bear. Look, I know that there are women out there. I, I, just, I, can't, I can't lie to you. The pints thing, great. Roll-ups, just surely there's someone in your life that can sort you out some filter tips, Nessa. Um, I, uh, thank you for restoring my faith in humanity, brackets. A bit. Well, look, Nessa, I, uh, maybe we could have a pint and a roll-up together at some point. Uh, this is Funky B90. Hey, Funky B90. Hey, as a lefty, it's hard to listen to right-wing comedy and find it funny, brackets. It's also hard to listen to a lot of left-wing comedy these days, too, which is why Jeff is a breath of fresh air. He welcomes debate rather than shutting it down, and whether you agree with his views or not, it's a good listen to good to listen to a dissenting voice, who also happens to be funny, too. He's either far alt-right or, far or namby-pamby centrist, depending on your politics. But he's definitely entertaining. Listen, man, that's exactly what I want. I think too many people are preaching to their own choir at the moment, you know? And that's with right-wing comedy and left-wing comedy. I think that's too fucking uh, easy, right? Let's, let's try and build a coalition. I want reluctant laughter. That's the best sound in the world. For me, is a, lef a lefty that I make them laugh and then they hate themselves. <laughs> uh, this is... Um... This is from Mr. Average, 75. Uh, or is that 7.5? Because I would argue that 7.5 is slightly above average. Not that I'm giving away anything there. Uh, love listening to this podcast. I'm now a fully paid up member of the middle class, but was born into a working class family. Listening to Jeff reminds me of my laughter-filled youth. Uh, we all... Don't you miss that? You know, Mr. Average, you know, just being at, being at school, just being just at the back of GCSE science, 
just being just horrifically politically incorrect to make each other laugh. I think I think that was probably the happiest I ever was. Either that or being stoned playing PlayStation and trying to psych out my friends. I don't know if you ever did that, just trying to trash talk your friends and put them off and then just see who had little psychological weaknesses. I'm not a good person. Um, Deadly Lionfish. Uh, just found a podcast. Brilliant at last. Reasonable and balanced discussion. That's from Paul. And then finally, from Yayan Reese. one. I have... Look, if I do this Welsh accent, it's going to end up somewhere near Hyderabad. Hyderabad? Uh, as, as someone that would describe themselves as economically centrist and socially libertarian, I find Jeff's podcast incredibly refreshing. I find his don't care about the far left attitude brilliant. And even if you are someone on the far left, his analysis is generally coming from where a lot of people are and is very funny. So I'm going to stick with the Welsh accent here to close the show. I realise it's got it's gone it's gone West Country, hasn't it? It was always going to go West Country. I feel much more secure doing this accent. But listen, thank you very much for listening to what most people think, and uh, I'm off to uh, fuck my sister. Uh.